do this. Let's go. Hey, man, check out that hat. Justin, that is a sweet looking hat. Oh my goodness, look at that hat. Crane, what is that? What is that? I didn't have the mic in What is that? What is going on? No way. No way did you change. No way did you change. So, Justin, what is the patch on the hat? No, 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 wait, wait, wait. I want everyone to stop. If you can tell me what that's a skull of, I will. I give forgot, you a little bit of props. I forgot the exact name of the creature, but it's a massive dinosaur-looking creature that's found on Mandalore, the home of the Mandalorians. Uh, that we get it's episode. called a mythosaur, a mythosaur, and they killed all of them because they're awful, horrible people. <laughs> There's one I in the new show, Mandalore, There is and one. The Mandalore. There is one in the new show. That's, that's about as far the, as I my got. My nerd rage That's what Baby Yoda grows into. My goodness. Baby Yoda grows into that. Yeah, it grows into that. Well, hey, let's let's start a show. How about that? Yeah. Hey, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. No My one name is Zach Adams. We just said. We're starting. <laughs> My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come check us out. Our Sunday service is at 1030. If you're not local but looking for a good Bible teaching church, you can check out online. Our live stream, again, at 1030, is available on Facebook.com uh, slash Calvary 316 or our YouTube channel, uh, which the easiest way to find it is just calvary316.live. And so uh, check that out. It was, it was funny. I was at the, the gym, and I've become friends with the guy that, that runs the place. His name's Clayton. And, uh, and I guess I made this joke, or somebody brought it up, where they were like, hey, 316, is that because we're on Highway 316? And it's like, yeah. And, and so when I, when I went into the gym this past week, Clayton came up. He goes, yeah, no, I heard that because he's been, he's been watching the show. And he was like, it clicked. It was like, oh, Calvary 316 on Highway 316. So, you know, I, I say this, hey, we're located off of Highway 316. I know that gets redundant, but at the same time, I guess I do need to connect the dots because it's not purely, hey, there's some great 316 verses in Scripture, but it's not like completely a play on John 316. It's we're on Highway 316. And there's like a whole 316 corridor geographically in our area. Hey, we're off of 316. You know what we're talking about. So... As always, welcome to the show, Pope Creighton. How you doing, bud? I am doing okay. Now that you've kind of already um, been introduced right. su subtly. I should I should give some context to that. What he's wearing is the symbol of a group of people from Star Wars called the Mandalorians. And you and hate them. horrible. And you they're hate them. horrible. I hate them with every fiber of my being. Um, we fought wars against them. It doesn't matter. Um, no, this but is he, totally make believe. this patch that is their symbol. And we had been talking about it because they liked the show and I heard the show was good, but I hate the people. So I reacted to that. Uh, it was not my proudest moment, but I do feel, I do, I like that patch a lot better. We're going to Justin now. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go to Justin because you have to get, because right before, so Creighton left to use the bathroom right before we went live. And you were like, hey, I got this thing we're gonna do. <laughs> I ordered this patch just for this moment. <laughs> that makes it so much better. That's, That's great. Oh, man. Just for this just moment. Just for this very moment. You, and you're sitting there with a lot of pride, a lot of I glee. Because it, it worked out far better than I could have ever imagined. I hate them. And, and it worked out even better because we started talking about it. And I, and I had the intention when I started talking about it to get him riled up. Oh, wait, and it, it, it just, set him up for it. it. Lit him it, right from the beginning. Did. And so then I was hoping he'd take a minute to notice it, but then you <laughs> it know, was he, that obvious. That lead in, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I just, should. I, I guess I should. Uh, I should take a moment and, and introduce our cast of characters <laughs> that are here. In addition to uh, Pope Creighton, uh, 
it's it's the normal crew. We've got Mr. Nicholas Monty, Deal Daddy Derek, uh, on camera too. Uh huh. Absolutely. How you guys doing? How's how's the week? Yeah. Busy, but good. Week. You guys but went good. to hit some golf balls the other day. I oh, didn't yeah. get invited for some reason, but uh, yeah, you should you come out. Yeah, yeah. should have we'll hit me up. Hey, Let's we'll go after this. Hey, this limp wrist can hit a golf ball. <laughs> These tilapias. Do it. Let's do it. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. We can at least tie it to your hands or something, whatever you need. Hey, I went and played golf the other day. I went and played nine holes on Friday. Um, it's I, all the all the work. So I have the, I have an opportunity at the end of May to do something um, that I, I can't I can't talk about um, on air. It's it's that type of a thing. But it's like for most people, it's a once in a lifetime golfing opportunity. Well, can I talk about it? No, no. <laughs> um, but for me, uh, this will be the second time. I've had the opportunity. I was supposed to go last year. That didn't work out um, because of everything that happened. And so I'm, I'm going this year. And so all my therapy, all my rehab, going to neurologists and, and hand surgeons has all been <laughs> to get myself ready for literally one day of golf. Yeah. And um, which has been a, a, a goal. But I'm at that point where like I, I need to start swinging a golf club. And so I went and got... Um, the biggest grips you can get, they're the they're called the Deshambos. They're the Jumbo Maxes. They're the biggest thing. I bought four of them. I was like, I'm gonna see if I if I can make this work. So I've got a big grip on my putter. That was easy. That was good. But I bought four of these Deshambo grips. Put one on a driver, four iron, eight iron, and my wedge. And I went on Friday. I was like, I'm just gonna see if I can if I can do this. And three shots off of one. So they had me paired with somebody. And I told the the ranger, I was like, I was like. Listen, guy, I can't. You can't put me with somebody. Like I can't here. do that. To I don't them. know how. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to play to start with. Um, I don't know how many golf balls I'm going to have to hit. I mean, and I explained a little bit of the situation. He was like, "Oh, I got you. Get off first. You can go by yourself." I was like, "Hey, I'll get. Off, I'll get out of the way if I'm taking up too much time." I just. I have no idea. I was talking to my therapist, and he was like, "Did you like go to the driving range first? I was like, "Nope, nope." I went home. <laughs> I, went, I didn't even. I didn't even go to the putting green. It was like we're just gonna do this. Yep. And uh, first three shots on the first hole, I'm not kidding. I was that close to tears, and was like, "I'm about to pick up the ball, drive to my truck, mm. put my so just to put my clubs on eBay, and be done with it." This was more than a year since the last time you played golf. This is probably two years since I've played golf. And then it's, and then with everything that happened, you know, it was like, I don't, I don't know if I can use my arms ever again, or if I can ever grip something, my shoulders were displaced. It's like the very thought this time, this time last year, I'm not even preaching consistently yet. Right. You know, I mean, but you never for, thought, let's go to the driving range. No, it was like, <laughs> no, it was like, well, I mean, it, for me, it's like, I either can hit a golf ball or not. I'm going to find out one way or the other. So I, I, three shots in, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm that close to tears. Because you're that bad? Yeah. Okay. Well, and I was trying to figure out how to grip the club. Yeah. Um, a, an unconventional way to try to give more stability. Because that, that's really, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gaining a lot of strength in my shoulders. I'm working out. I'm, I'm doing the right things. But, like, I, there's only so much I can do to get with a grip. Yeah. With my hands. My, I mean, you know, that's about as far as I can go gripping something. So I got big grips. And, like, in the first three shots, I was trying to do something unconventional. To try to give more stability because I didn't I didn't feel any confidence at all that I could that I could do that, and um, third like I said third shot I was that close to picking up the ball and driving to my truck and being done. I was like one more shot let me see I, and I'm just gonna go back to a conventional golf grip, the overlay grip 
and I'm just going to see if I can, if I can do this. And I hit it straight. Nice. I didn't hit it very far, hey. but I hit it straight. And I was like, well, that's something. Yeah. Yep. Like that's something I can, I can maybe build on. Yeah. And so, and the first hole at the Providence club, it's, it's a par five. So it's a long hole. And, um, and so, and then I hit, I got my eight iron. I hit it and I hit it over the green. Like it was pin high, but I went over. I was like, well, Hey, that was also, again, conventional grip. I feel like I'm not gripping the club tight enough, but clearly if I'm just fundamental, I can maybe do this. Mm-hmm. So like I, I start, I, you know, I worked my way around the golf course and you know, at one point it was like, how many golf balls will I lose? You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. I'm not counting strokes. I'm counting balls. You know, yeah. how many yeah. balls do I, this was a five, a five baller, you know? Um, but then the, the ninth hole, I was only going to play five, uh, only going to play nine, but the ninth hole is a par five and I part it. And, uh, and my length was coming back. So, yeah, no, I, I was very – uh, I left the golf course very excited. Good. Um, immediately set up another tee time. And, uh, again, just going to kind of try to get myself. That's great. Um, it was rewarding. That first hole, again, I took so many shots to get to it. But I was like, I'm going to putt this thing in. You know, and, and, I, I, and I, I left it about, you know, that far. I was like, no, I'm tapping it in. <laughs> and typically, you know, you're playing, you just pick it up and go. Yeah. Uh, I tapped it in and cried. Mm-hmm. Because it was like I could not like a year ago. This would have been this was my goal that seemed so out of reach. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, Praise and, the Lord. And, and I tapped and I and I and I, I and it was like I don't. It doesn't matter how many balls I hit to get there. No, I put the whole ball in the hole. Like it yeah. was like it was a thing, and That's I awesome. felt I felt great about it. That's great. Uh, again, with the Outlaw Radio Show, what's fun is this is a podcast, and we live stream the recording of the podcast. The podcast is available Thursdays, Google, Apple, Spotify. You can check that out. Uh, the live stream recording, um, what's fun about it is we can interact with the audience. Uh, in addition to having a conversation here amongst friends, you can join the conversation. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook.com slash The Radio Outlaw, uh, you can leave comments, feedback. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, which is outlawradio.live, you can also leave feedback. Creighton, you are monitoring both of those feeds, and at various points, you'll interject, Correct. That is correct. Uh, any, um, anybody jump in up into this point? Not yet. Um, I do seem to be having some issue with the YouTube comments. They're not showing up. Uh, okay. So. Which is, I don't know if it's something on our end or YouTube's. I don't know. I apologize if, if you left a comment. I will go back and look at them uh, probably tomorrow, but I'm not going to see them tonight. It doesn't look like. It doesn't look like. But okay. I do have them on Facebook. So if you're on YouTube and you want to go to Facebook to say something, that's cool. If you're on Facebook, stay there and say something. Or also if you want to cool. if you want to drop a quick note, you can do so at our new email address, which is popecrayton at gmail.com. And that will pop up actually on my on my computer. And so... Uh, and there you is another way that, that you can reach out. And you will not be the first person to send an email that is read midway during the episode. That has happened already. We appreciate the first of you. Yeah, for sure. So um, let me let me start with just a quick, you know, we, we've been talking in the, in the last few episodes about God's sovereignty and, um, you know, God being in control. And, and again, you know, my, my position on, you know, the Calvinism, Armenian thing is that you know, with so much theology, people just gravitate to hard extremes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and re- it's it's often reactions. You know, so you know, well, I, this doesn't make sense, so I go to the far other extreme. When in reality, things tend to be kind of in the middle. You know, and and the extremes um, tend to be fringe. And and again, one of the issues I have with the the extremes is that anytime you have a theological position. 
and there's a whole bunch of scripture that you have to struggle to fit into your theology, uh, that tends to be an indicator that your theology isn't, isn't, isn't right. Um, and, and if you're on both ends of the argument, from full sovereignty to man's free will, uh, you have big chunks of scripture on both ends that you have to really do a lot of theological gymnastics. Um, you're playing twister with scripture. So instead of letting scripture dictate your theology, you're uh, taking your theology and trying to make scripture fit it. And I just think generally that's just a terrible bibliology. It's a terrible approach to studying the Bible, understanding the Bible, reading the Bible. You, you see that with eschatology too. Uh, not everything fits into a, a, an easy box, but you know, you kind of end up like, well, well, what do I have to, like, what's the easiest answer to a complicated question? You know, Sherlock Holmes always said it's, it's the most obvious, the most obvious solution tends to be the solution. You know, the, the, the most obvious answer tends to be the accurate answer. It's uh, Occam's razor. Occam's <laughs> razor. Okay, great. Um, and so that, that ends up being, you know, a good approach to, to Scripture. So God's sovereignty, I think it's important to kind of acknowledge moments where you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, I just saw the divine hand of God. I had one of those moments today where it was like an undeniable divine intervention of the most high. And, um, and, and, and let me kind of explain what, what happened. So Jessica and my oldest son, Quincy, they're off on a school trip, uh, for, for the week. So I have, Qu uh, Theodore and Mabel. So it's just the three of us. Uh, this is solo dad time. So Theo goes to school. Mabel is not in school. So I have my four year old all day, um, which was great. We, we played around the house in the morning uh, I took her on a date to Waffle House for lunch, um, which was which was great. And then uh, uh, my my grandmother, her great grandmother, had sent her money because she's getting into some of these dolls. And and uh, and May had gotten some money, bought a doll for Easter, sent a picture to great grandma. Great grandma was like, "Oh, I need to send more money for accessories <laughs> for such doll." Uh, money comes in naturally, and so, naturally, and so. I thought we would have fun. And so I took Mabel to Target after we went to Waffle House mm. um, to go get some accessories for her doll. The accessories ended up being a whole nother doll because she decided that her <laughs> what her doll needed more than anything was, was a, a friend. friend. A best friend. Oh, was a friend. So it ended up being Elsa, um, you know, that can freeze everything. So it was cute. It was adorable. <laughs> but here's the thing. I had, I had Waffle House, a couple cups of coffee. Oof. My hash browns scattered, covered, and peppered. I had we, a sausage. We see where it's going. We I had a sausage. That's a go back home trip. I had, a, I had a sausage bacon egg and cheese sandwich. Mm, oh, yummy. At Heinz 57, put over the hash browns. I was in a good spot. Until to, you weren't. Until, I, until we get Elsa at Target, which is in the far back end of the store. They put the toys the far back end of the store. We get Elsa and... and and I start sweating, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, no, this is this is this is not a good situation because I have a four year old daughter with me and um, that's going to require. So I, I I'm sure there's, you know, it's Target. So there's a family restroom. Um, so I ended up we're walking down. I'm like, Mabel, quick, you got to come with me. I'll carry that. I'm holding her hand. I'm sweating. 
go down the back aisle. <laughs> I see an employee. I'm like, hey, where's the restroom? They're like, up. Oh, it's in the front near the customer service desk, which is right next to the front door. So we beeline it. We're walking with a pretty brisk pace. And the whole time I'm thinking, I don't know exactly how I'm going to navigate this scenario. You're making me have to go. Because, I mean, daddy's got to go, and Mabel's just going to have to stand with her nose in the corner of the stall. I mean, it's just, there's no way of getting around just the abject awkwardness of the moment. And I'm debating, like, do I do the family stall? Do I do the men's bathroom? I don't want to take my daughter into the men's bathroom, so I have to do the family stall. But now I feel kind of transy about that, and that becomes a problem. (laughs) Bruh. So, (laughs) thanks, Spice Daddy. So, so, I mean, we are making our way. I I see front door. I see bathroom. Front door, bathroom. Front door, bathroom. I've got Elsa under my arm. Mabel in a hand. You and sprinted out without paying for Elsa. No. <laughs> as we get to, as we are approaching the front door where the restroom is, coming through the front door is an angel who also goes by the name of Miss Monty. It's Nick's mother. No way. <laughs> you can pick Nick's mom out of a lineup? Literally, literally, I am walking, I am walking towards the bathroom not sure what's about to happen. And in walk, the only person, I don't think anybody had walked into the store. It was like a crowd of people. It was like the doors parted, a light from heaven shined down on Nick's mom, of all people. And immediately she sees us, waves, comes beelining over to us, engages Mabel, clearly can't tell I'm perspirating <laughs> I make eye contact with her and I think my eyes told everything that was going on because she she grabs the Elsa toy and I'm like I have to use the bathroom can you watch her there was no hello pleasantries <laughs> and she goes go I got her oh god is good and so, oh man god no, is so I good. got in there and it was it was you know it was a close shave hey man it was um there was a lot of toilet paper used. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. You know, it was... That could have been spared from the podcast. It was... It was... Um, you clean the walls oh my while you were gosh. Listen, listen. Waffle House did what Waffle House does. I am so... I mean, but again, I, I came out of the bathroom, a new man, <laughs> and Miss Monty is there talking to Mabel about her toy, and they're deep in conversation. Because this is a grandma of little girls. So like she's got all the lingo down. She's had a bunch of four year old little girls. She she's 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 in her sweet spot. <laughs> and uh and and so she kind of like gets up, you know, cause she was on Mabel's level and she looks and I and I and I shake her hand. I said I said, God, like I don't know if you knew why you came to Target today, <laughs> but this was why you came to Target today. That, that, that this was the providence of God Almighty. Oh, and she looked at me and she goes, I wasn't quite sure. I just had to return something. It was kind of out of the blue. I wasn't really sure. I know why I'm here. <laughs> Amen. Again, you got to acknowledge those moments where God, I mean, of all of the people in the world that could have walked through the door, um, <laughs> it was Nick's mom. That's awesome. Uh, so, hey, God is good. Now, the way the show works, I often rant about something uh, ridiculous. And uh, and then That's we top get five, and then we get to, <laughs> and then we get to uh, the the topic. Uh, 
we often are given a little bit of a tease. So Creighton will tease the guys. He'll, he'll let us know a little bit of what he's thinking. But the actual subject matter is a complete mystery. Creighton's going to drop a topic, passage of scripture, whatnot. It's my job with the help of these gents to turn that into some, some type of a Bible study. So Craven, what are we talking about? So this is going to be a fun one um, because this is one of those things where um, if you've read through the Old Testament, you probably got here and were like, well, that's strange, and then moved on. Um, this is about Ezekiel, one of the weirder prophets with a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in his book that could be the topic of an episode in a series that I like to call, it's in the Bible. Um, so, <laughs> Wait, Ezekiel can you do that again? Like yes. your delivery was excellent. Yes, it's a series that I like to call, it's in the Bible. That's it. Man, you were even mm. a little bit more dramatic that time. I, I like a good dramatic pause. Yeah, that was good. It was a good pause, um, good delivery. So this one is not the... There is one big one that everyone knows about. It's Ezekiel and the Wheels. We are going to do that one at some point. That's not the one I want to do now. What I want to do now is when Ezekiel's wife dies. Um, because I don't remember <laughs> enough about Ezekiel's life. And, like, there are some things that I can see in terms of the way that God interacts with Israel that makes sense with that, like Ezekiel's wife dying. Um, but why wasn't Ezekiel allowed to mourn his wife is the real question of the day is why wasn't he allowed to mourn his wife? What in the world is going on? And I would like to focus on um, the first so let the audience know verses. where we are scripturally. Yes. So that yes, A, yes, we yes. can get there, and B, the audience can get there if they have the, a Bible. So it is them. Ezekiel chapter 24, um, focusing verses 15 through 27. Um, and I want to spend at least a little bit of time on the first three verses, because a lot of that, uh, it's funny that we talked about free choice last year. God kind of takes ownership of the death of his wife and then tells him mm. not to mourn. So I would like to talk about that and about why. Um, and if it really, we might want to get into, is it God's fault that she died? Maybe that's less important Then why wasn't he allowed to mourn? What exactly is going on here? Um, and a lot of this is going to be backstory because Ezekiel's a big Yeah, book. there's a lot of backstory yeah. <laughs> that, that necess necessitates that. So the, a little bit of how this works is uh, Creighton uh, earlier today dropped me a text saying, hey, I w we're going to kind of go to Ezekiel. And so... You know, it was like, man, it's been a while since I've been in the Old Testament personally. Um, well, I say that. I mean, I've been in various parts, just teaching verse by verse through the Bible. But there's a lot in Ezekiel. There's a lot in the Old I've Testament. I've never taught verse by verse through Ezekiel. Right. Um, I've taught through Leviticus. I've taught through Genesis. I've taught through Jonah. Um, I've taught through various books of the Old Testament. But I've never exactly taught through the book of Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is a fascinating a fascinating book of the Bible. Uh, he, he falls under a category of, of major prophets. Uh, they're major prophets primarily because of the length of their prophecies versus the minor prophets called minor mainly because of the length of their prophecies. Uh, Jonah's three chapters, Amos, Obadiah. You just, they're small books, so they're called minor. Uh, and there's more of them. The major ones, uh, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, um, Daniel fits within the majors um, because it's 12 chapters. But, um, but again, you know, Ezekiel is a big book. 
It's a big book. It's a big book, and there's a lot of a lot of prophetic utterances. And so, like, you, you dropped it, like, hey, we're going to kind of go to Ezekiel, and it's like, man, I have not been in Ezekiel in a while. And so so I needed, like, a very quick flyby of, of Ezekiel just to kind of refresh my memory. And so uh, I was actually at the ballpark uh, leading up. Uh, we got here. I got back to the studio, like, 20 minutes before we went live. Um, so I'm at the ballpark thinking – you know, like, man, I need, I need a refresher on Ezekiel. And, and this is not to make like a shameless plug, although it will be. Um, so I did a thing. I thought, where can I go and just get a very quick clip notes of Ezekiel um, as fast as possible? And I thought, well, I can go to myself. Um, so years and years and years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, we can't just yeah. fly by. Just check it out. <laughs> hey, let me yeah. So years and years and years ago. Uh, as a youth pastor, I wanted to take, like, I, I was starting to get very frustrated with the reality that, like, okay, I mean, I had middle schoolers and high schoolers, but I wouldn't have them for, like, the entirety of, like, a high schooler by their junior year starts doing college stuff. By the time they're a senior, they're already kind of in college. Like, things get compressed and shortened. And it was like, you know, I want to make sure that, that any kid in our youth program at least leaves our youth program um, because I believed in substance. Um, I, I wanted substance. We did a youth, a youth retreat, a high school youth retreat to the beach, a week long, five days. We talked through the whole book of Revelation. You remember that? I do remember that. We talked through the entire book of Revelation and one youth, youth, youth trip. We were doing like two or three chapters, a session, three times a day. And then we're hanging out at the beach having a blast. <laughs> but like it was a hardcore, we talked through the whole book of Revelation and one youth camp. Uh, we did Galatians in one youth camp. Um, and so, like, again, our youth ministry, we, we, we dealt with substance. But I wanted our kids to, to, to be able to go through the Bible as quick as possible. So I did a whole series that I called the 66. And so it was 66 studies, but every single study, uh, so the 40-minute youth message, I overviewed a book of the Bible. Started with Genesis, went all the way through the Bible to Revelation. So on Wednesday night, the Bible study, it was an overview of that book with the context of like, why is this book in the Bible? Like, what is the essence of this book? What is God trying to articulate through this book? How does it, how is it a piece of this greater puzzle, the 66 that make up God's word? So one book made up in 66 parts. Um, and so that was, that was the approach. And so I would do a, a summary of the book and, and an outline of the book. And then, and then with that would be uh, six devotionals from that book where I would record five minute videos for each of those days and would all get released. It was the biggest project I've ever done, uh, even to date. Uh, it's the one thing I'm probably the most proud of that I haven't touched in a decade. Um, I remember that. I was, just when I was in high school, it yes, was good. There have been churches that actually took it and, and, and implemented their own version of it. Um, but again, I haven't mentioned the 66, haven't gone back to the 66, but it's all on my, my server. So I have ZachAdams.org. Uh, it just redirects to C316.tv because that's the teaching archive. But I still have this server. And so I was sitting at the ballpark like, I need a quick overview of Ezekiel. So I was like, I wonder. So I went ZachAdams.org slash the 66 slash Ezekiel.pdf thinking there's no way this works. And sure enough, boom, the PDF came right up. <laughs> So I bring that up because if you want a quick overview of any book of the Bible, go zachadams.org slash the 66 
slash, and then just name the book, all lowercase, dot PDF, and you'll get this obscured, not posted anywhere on the internet, but you'll get a link directly to the server and can get the PDF. So I went and kind of refreshed. My guess <clears throat> on Ezekiel. Also would be numbers are numbers and not words. Correct. Correct. Numbers, not words. So the 66 is the T-H-E 66. And if it's first Corinthians, it's going to be one S-T. He's not going to type out first. Correct. Correct. So, and again, if you ever want to find this stuff, you can just drop a, drop a note to, if you want the whole thing, we can send you a zip file. Like again, PopeCreighton at gmail.com. We'll send it to you. Anyway, my point is, is, is I appreciate you like saying, hey, there's, we need some backstory. There's a particular story you're interested in, but you, you even acknowledge in the question, like, uh, we need a whole lot more. Now, Ezekiel, again, one of the major prophets, uh, fits within a very particular time period of Israel's history. Um, Ezekiel himself um, was what was part of the second wave of exiles during the Babylonian captivity. So Babylon came, so uh, maybe even taking one step back, the Assyrians came, destroyed the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, dispersed them. They came down to destroy Jerusalem, Judea. Isaiah was a prophet at that time. Hezekiah was the king. There was a repentance that took place. And we're told as, as the armies of the Assyrians camped outside of Jerusalem, the angel of the Lord came down and killed everyone. Like slew 180,000 Assyrians died by the hand of Jesus wielding a sword that night. An amazing story. God liberated Judah from the destruction of the Assyrians. And that lasted for like 180 years, 200 years. Um, until, again, Judah continued to be wicked. The children of Israel continued to rebel against God. They continued to go after idolatry, paganism, wickedness. They played the harlot. And finally, God's like, I've had enough. And so he's going to use Babylon because the Assyrian Empire gave way to the Babylonian Empire. And so Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. This is the zenith of, of the Chaldean Empire, the Babylonians. It was short-lived. Um, but Nebuchadnezzar comes and they lay, like they come in into Judea and they're attacking. Uh, Israel is trying to consolidate. So there are waves of exiles. You know, as, as Babylon comes in, they're conquering territories, they're conquering lands. And as Babylon did, they just, they, they dispersed people and people would go back, like Jews would be taken to Babylon. And the idea of the way that the Babylonians handled their empire is that they, they just moved people away from their homeland, hoping that in the process of being in a new place, you just were detached from your individual nationality and would become Chaldean. That was the idea. Um, and so there's, there, is, there are three waves of exiles, uh, three waves that take place during the Babylonian siege. Um, Ezekiel finds himself in the second of these three waves. And so he finds himself in Babylon. So Ezekiel, his entire prophecies take place in Babylon. He's in Babylon. And he's in a Jewish community there in Babylon, a community of roughly, they estimate, around 10,000 people. It was a small wave of exiles. 
when Ezekiel finds himself in Babylon, keep in mind, Jerusalem is still free. There's a siege occurring, but in ancient warfare, none of this stuff happened quickly. So just a question, just to clarify, is this be- I guess most people know of Daniel and the lions. And okay, so this let's get to that. Before or after This Daniel. is before Daniel, okay. but, but Ezekiel's a contemporary. So if you want to place Ezekiel within the prof- like his prophetic contemporaries, so Ezekiel is prophesying within the remnant of Jews in Babylon, second wave. While Ezekiel is prophesying in Jerusalem, you have Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is there saying destruction is coming. He's the weeping prophet. No one listens to him. He's persecuted. And Jeremiah writes lamentations as Jerusalem is being burned to the ground and the temple is being destroyed. Ezekiel is is in Babylon at the same time. Daniel is a young man in Jerusalem during that final siege. So Jerusalem falls. Daniel becomes an exile to Babylon because they take some of the choice men. So he, Daniel is part of that third and final wave of exile. So there is a component of overlap at the end of Ezekiel's ministry in the beginning of Daniel's in Babylon. And that makes them unique because they're prophets that, that actually minister in the diaspora in in exile. Jeremiah's prophecies are, and most of, of the rest are all in Israel. So God is actually speaking through Ezekiel, and this is the context. He's speaking to a group of people that have just experienced judgment. In a big way. In, in, a, in, a, in a cataclysmic way. Now, one of the things that Ezekiel was, was confronting, and one of the reasons that he was called by God to be a prophet to those people, is that there was at least initially an, an idea, or at least a rumbling within the exiles, that, that this was the extent of God's judgment. That Jerusalem remained intact, the temple was still there, that these two first waves of exiles was kind of God's way of trying to get them to wake up, and that this was the, the, the gist of it. That clearly Jerusalem would not fall, clearly the temple would stay, in spite of all the things Jeremiah is saying, and in spite of the things that Isaiah even prophesied about. And so Ezekiel is dealing with a group of people that think that they they have experienced God's judgment, but now they're ready for restoration. Okay? So there are people that have experienced judgment. Now they want to be restored. The problem is, and this is the entire gist of Ezekiel's ministry, is that there's a big middle step to judgment and reconciliation. And that is the acknowledgement of sin and genuine repentance and contrition. And so Ezekiel's whole prophecies are are, are aimed at like, hey, it's going to get a lot worse than what you think it is because you haven't really understood the whole point of it all. You want restoration without repentance. And and my camera just went down. Yeah, it sure did. Give Um, me a sec. Yeah. I don't know why. I have no idea. It's okay. I'm way better to look at. I have no idea, but hey, take you're uh, welcome. Take people. the camera off of you, Creighton, very very quickly here, yeah. And yeah. take it take it to me, and uh, so so we have a technical issue. No, just turn the camera. It's okay. I know I know our viewers like this way better. Just turn it. You're good. You're just good. turn take it. Take your time. You take got it. Time. You got it. Thank you. Ricky, I am we're moving. Good. Hey, we're getting some live action. Yeah. All right, here I am. Yeah. 
Here I am, and you're going to kind of have to zoom me in. Oh, wait. Oh, yep. So there we go. There we go. Now you're back on. All right, so I'm back on. So Creighton is going to be zooming this in. I'm going to continue this this train of thought. Uh, at this point, uh, I think it'd be Justin and uh, guys. You guys have any any thoughts you'd like to interject um, related to this particular topic of Ezekiel? Like, what do you guys know of Ezekiel? My favorite part of Ezekiel is him talking about UFOs. Yeah, that's the other. So that's part. the wheels. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's the whole lot to unpack but, in there. But do you, did you guys know like the timing of Ezekiel's prophecies and how all of that played itself out? Kind of, sort of. But I, I think everybody like when when you start talking about the 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 diaspora and the and the exile into Babylon, everybody associates that with like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and yeah. and, and and where where does everyone fit around around those guys? And and I think when you put it in context with those four main characters mm-hmm. of that time period for the Hebrew people, it, it makes it a little bit easier to understand. Being taught at a young age, too, it's easy for you to kind of, like, think it all kind of happens at the same time, too. So to understand, like, when things specifically happen and how they're spread out, but how they all kind of tie into, like, well, at least being younger and remembering the stories, like hearing the stories, but then just kind of having a predisposition to lump them all into like one general time. And then when you go on and learn like how things actually happened and how they actually were spread yeah. out and everything. Is well, I cool. think, I think in this situation it's, it's, it's a lot where you can see where it was Ezekiel, then Daniel and yeah. then, and so and so. Whereas, you know, a lot of times we tend to think it's all separate, separated by hundreds of years yeah. when it was all like, Within the course of 50 years yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, so, exactly. I, mean, you're, you're, I, I think that helps kind of understand the Bible in these passages yeah. where the, these were not men separated by centuries. It was men separated by years, decades. Yeah, yeah these times yeah. pretty close together. Yeah, And, yeah. That's and, why and God was using them all in unique and special ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Jeremiah had a ministry. Daniel had a ministry. Ezekiel had a ministry. It, it, and they... they Again, and you know, it's, it's, it's unlikely any of them met each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were not. probably aware of each other, but it's unlikely that they ministered uh, alongside of each other. Now, so that's some backstory regarding Ezekiel, his place, his role, where he's at within the story. Now, Creighton brings up a very specific passage of scripture. And again, we appreciate the audience, you guys bearing with us. The other camera came back on now. We have no idea what's going on, so there there will be two angles on me. Uh, Creighton has his dream of not being on, uh, on camera at yeah. all. So I'm going to be doing a lot really of moving of bad. the mic. This is being very professional. Glad I've got use of these uh, these mitts. Um, so, Creighton, your, your specific uh, passage of Scripture we find in, in chapter 24 um, of the book of Ezekiel. Indeed. And again, the, the the emphasis is verse 15, which we're going to get to quickly because we're running out of time. Time is flying by. But the beginning of chapter 24 gives us important context. I'm going to read it. Again, in the ninth year, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, write down the name of the day, this very day, the king of Babylon started his siege against Jerusalem this very day. Now, just pause there. Like, the context is provided for us, and it's heavy. 
Um, in fact, like th- th- this, like this framework, you're going to find in Second Corinthians. You're going to find in other pl- not Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles. You're going to find in other places because the siege, the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem, is like the Jewish September 11th. You know, it's 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 one of those days where everyone knows where they were when it happened. That's what I was going to ask. What's the importance of it referencing in the ninth year, in the 10th month, and on the 10th day of the month? So this is the day that the final siege of Jerusalem took place. This is the day Jerusalem fell. This is the day that Solomon's temple That's what I was fixing to say. is yeah, leveled. It wasn't the temple yet. Now, the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel. On this particular day. Now, there's no Twitter, there's no Facebook, there's no instant news, there's no internet. It'll be months until the actual exiles in Babylon find out what's happened. But this is the day that it happens. And God comes to Ezekiel, this is what's going down. Like, Ezekiel has insight. So everything that happens in the chapter was within the context that, that, that the temple is being destroyed... And that God's judgment is actually being completed. And again, this is a group of people Ezekiel's ministering to who are, are under the disillusionment that God's judgment is, um, is already complete, that it's been measured, even though God said what would happen. And they're, they're, they're struggling with the idea of like, hey, we want to go back to the land. Hey, okay, God, we got our lesson. Now we want to go back. You know, you slapped us on the wrist. Okay, we get it. When God had more plans. So they want to be restored, but they haven't repented. They haven't really come to the gravity of their sin, the totality of, of what's occurred, why, etc. So that sets the context. And again, you read all the next you know, 13 verses, 14, 12, 12, 13, 14 verses. Um, the symbol of the cooking pot. It's it's the complete destruction of Jerusalem. Um, the absolute, and, and even to the point that it's like, you're you think you're a choice piece of meat, you're toxic and unedible. Mm. Like I'm cooking you, and nothing that's coming out of it is good. You're rotten to the core. Like that's the whole idea of the cooking pot. And the people would have known the pictures of the pot with those choice cuts as being representative yes. of that. And oh. and Ezekiel, so is, I call Ezekiel the eccentric prophet because Ezekiel was, um, if you know, if you guys heard of like method actors, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know what Who a method actor is? Involve themselves and become the character before yeah. that, right? Yeah. So like one of the most famous method actors is Daniel Day Lewis. So Daniel Day Lewis was Bill the Butcher um, in Gangs of New York. Um, and to prepare for that role, um, he he lived for two years as a butcher. Like completely, beca- he made up a role. His wife, funny, uh, she said that she has she's been married to many men. <laughs> um, you know that he became a butcher. In fact, he actually invented an accent because no one knew exactly what an immigrant accent, an Americana accent in New York at that time period sounded like. Daniel Day Lewis was British. Invented the the accent for Bill the Butcher, um, and, and embody the character. So he's on set. He's that guy. He doesn't, doesn't drop his, the role until the DVD commentary. Until it's done, uh, he becomes Lincoln. So he's Lincoln. Yep. He lived in a log cabin in Kentucky. Built a log cabin in Kentucky That's for crazy. like two years, and like lived off the land 
to like embody Lincoln. And when he's on set, he, everyone had to call him Mr. President. You know, like method acting, you know, just where you go to that extreme, you embody something. Uh, Ezekiel is very much that kind of guy. Now, uh, uh, there was a lot of words to his prophecies, but there was a lot of theatrics to them. A lot of Ezekiel would do very eccentric things that God would then use to articulate a very profound point. And he was, and he acted it out. He was very theatric. Um, he was very emotional, which, which is very interesting. He kind of was, he, he, he wore his emotions on his sleeve. He was, he was a weird guy. He was out there. Um, he embodied what he was doing, which then makes what happens in this chapter all the more interesting. So he's used the, the cooking pot multiple times. So the people he's ministering to are already familiar with some of the symbolism. And he's making a point in the context that Jerusalem is being sacked, that God is doing this. This is judgment because they're wicked and they're wicked to the core. And that this is what they get. And they still haven't fully realized it. Have you ever run into someone that experiences the judgment of God for sin, but doesn't fully recognize yet the full totality of their sin because the judgment they're experiencing is very cursory to start. I'm trying to think of a good analogy or an example. Like they're reaping what they sow, but they don't realize that their actions are justified by what is the outcome. Like they haven't fully, they haven't fully reaped the totality of their sin. Like they're like, it's all beginning. Maybe that's a better way of saying Spanking. like, yeah. Have you like, okay. I, I knew a guy We'll we'll go without without names. Who's like he got caught in adultery. Um, so he got caught in adultery, but like the full extent of his sin wasn't known. He was beginning to experience an element of, it. of consequence, but he was but he was at that he was like at that part where he's thinking he can weasel out of it. Mm-hmm. Where he's thinking, okay, I can, I can, I can cry a lot. I can make some promises. I can be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like he can play a role, hoping that he can weasel his way out of it. I mean, have you ever run into people like that? that to not feel the full brunt of the punishment. Exactly. Like that's what Ezekiel. That's the person that Ezekiel's dealing with. <clears throat> to, yeah, to not fully understand what the what they did. Right. And, and, and what's coming. And what's coming because of that. It's like, hey, you don't realize, okay, okay, your your wife is really upset. She's crying. Uh, she's, she's ticked off. You've been relegated to the couch. You think that that's the extent of what's about to happen. Like, you don't understand. She's going to divorce you righteously. More is going to come out on your sin. Your kids are going to rebel against you. Like your life is going to completely fall apart and you're a friend. Like you see it coming and they're oblivious to it. And they're still thinking that they can get themselves out of it or that they can do something to minimize what, what, what's, what's about to happen. What's about to unfold. Like that's, that's the person that Ezekiel's dealing with here. Like Ezekiel's dealing with a group of people that like, okay, I know that we, we messed up and I know we're in exile because of that. But clearly God's not going to destroy the temple. You know? Like, we get it. God's going to be merciful. 
when Ezekiel's like, no, 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 it's because you don't get it. That that you're gonna like, it's just beginning, man, and it's gonna get a whole lot worse because you're not getting it. You want restoration, but you're not willing to confess, to own it, to acknowledge it, and to do the things necessary to demonstrate repentance. So the chapter opens with God letting Ezekiel know what's going on. And Ezekiel's like, hey, now this is when things get weird. Verse 15, also the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, behold, I take away from you the desire of your eyes with one stroke. Yet you shall neither mourn nor weep, nor shall your tears run down. Sigh in silence. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind your turban to your head. Put your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your lips. Do not eat man's bread of sorrow. So I spoke to the people in the morning. And at evening my wife died. And the next morning I did as I was commanded. Like those are some of the heaviest, gnarliest verses in, in the entire Bible. And like, let's not sugarcoat what's happening. Israel's being destroyed. This is this is the this is the death of the wife of 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 God. The nation of Israel is being destroyed, dying. There's a death happening. So God comes to His man, His prophet Ezekiel, who's done nothing wrong. In fact, has has been faithful. He's been obedient. He's done all the things that the Lord has asked of him. Keep in mind, Ezekiel has been ripped from his home has been ripped from his family, has been exiled, right? And he's the prophet of the Lord. Like, what did I do? And he's dealing with a group of stubborn people. Makes you wonder why all these people in the modern church want to be called prophets. So oh, my so. goodness. Yeah, seriously. And like, so no, God... That's a heavy... Like, so let's, know, like, let's not sugarcoat it. God comes to Ezekiel, says, bro, your wife's going to die. This is what's going down. Your wife's going to die. I don't want you to mourn. No crying. No weeping. You put your sandals on your feet. You go about your business. You take it in stride. Because I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to make a point to my people. You know, th- I mean, there are a lot of, like, callings. That it might be the worst. Th- I mean, I mean, good grief. Imagine the conversation that night. They're in bed. They flip on Netflix, <laughs> catching up on their favorite show. And Ezekiel kind of rolls over to his wife and says, "Hun, God spoke to me today. <laughs> Got a whole new thing. It's going down. You're a part of it. Oh, that's wonderful, honey. I've always really wanted to have a more public role in your ministry. Well, you're going to die tonight. And, well uh, and I can't weep for you. That's what God told me. It. Like, imagine that. It takes tremendous faith. You have to know you're hearing from God. I mean, it takes so much faith. It remind, that's, this story reminds me a lot of Abraham and Isaac. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the faith that comes along with it, just being able to do that. I, sure. I, I think that's a great comparison. Here's the difference. It would be, it would be a, more, a more consistent analogy if, if it played out like Abraham had thought. You know, yeah. in Hebrews 11, we're told that Abraham took to sacrifice Isaac, believing that God would resurrect Isaac. Abraham went fully intending to sacrifice Isaac. 
God held his hand. Yeah. Right? But if Abraham had killed Isaac, now we're getting closer in comparison True. to what Ezekiel's going through. True. Yeah. The actual And in no the way that I mean it's it's kind of brutal, isn't it? The way that God even opens it. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from you the desire of your eyes with one stroke. You know, like like this would have been an easier thing for Ezekiel if his wife stunk. Like if she was a nag. Like Job's wife. Like Job's wife. Like like the biggest punishment Job had is that he took everyone but his wife. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, leaving the wife was leaving, part of the punishment. Leaving the wife was what it was terrible, right? But Ezekiel, it's the desire of his eyes. Like the idea here is that he 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 loves his bride. He loves her. This is not a Hosea dynamic. You know, where Hosea has been called to, to love the harlot who abuses him, disrespects him, cheats on him, runs, runs away from him, where, where Hosea then has to go and buy her out of the slave market, you know, like a piece of cattle, the redemption. You know, the implications are Ezekiel and his wife got a good thing going. You know, Jeremiah was instructed by God, again, ministering at the same, not to marry. It wasn't a time for marriage. Ezekiel is married. And you can imagine of all the eccentric, crazy things that Ezekiel ends up doing, that, it, that there was some solace that he went home to a bride that he loved. He had a good home life, you know? Like, man, today was a hard day, but at least I got home and there was my wife that I loved, the desire of my eye. And yet God comes and says, no, I'm, I'm going to take her. This is part of my will. And you don't need to mourn it. And then if you read through the chapter, and again, we don't really have the time to do it. Like, point taken, people noticed, oh my goodness, Miss Ezekiel died. And Ezekiel's acting really weird. Like, it would be like, it'd be like Jessica dying on a Saturday night. And me showing up at church, same time. Going about my business the same way, coming in to some trippy pre-service music <laughs> from <laughs> Justin, Justin and Creighton, coming in saying, hey guys, how you doing? Checking in, going back. While all this is going on, like playing bass in worship, going through the normal procedures, and then, and then you guys get a message that Jessica has died. I probably would have been calling the cops already. Right. Yeah. And you're and you're and yeah. you're looking at me like what he does he not way know? Too calm and you're like, hey Zach, uh, what's the deal with Jessica? And I'm like, Yeah, she died. God told me that was gonna happen and he said I couldn't cry and I had to put my shoes on and go about my business. Well, what in the world? Well, because Jerusalem is being destroyed and being sacked, judgment is being poured out, God's bride's dying and he's not shedding a tear over it. Because you guys don't get it. Like, you don't understand how far you've fallen. You don't understand how deep the rot is. You don't understand God's heart towards the matter. And so, you are the desire of God's eye. And you've died. And God is going about his business and is not weeping. That's, that's, I mean, heavy. That's very heavy. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. 
you know? Now, now what's what's interesting is that there's a lot of a lot of Ezekiel's prophecies are also restorative in nature. He focuses on the glory of the Lord, that there are better days ahead. But I mean, like, like again, I, I almost feel like in Creighton, this might not be the direction that you wanted to go, and I know we can't get you on camera, but the um like it'd be very easy to just talk specifically about the prophetic element and 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 the macro aspect of this particular story. I can't get away from the human angle. That's exactly what I want to talk about. I can't get away from the human the human angle because you know <coughs> I almost died last year. I should have died last year. I remember that. And and again um and that would have been God's will. And how would how would that have played out? Like what what would God have been articulating? What message? Like what if God came to Jessica and said, "Continue." Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Zach finished his race. Shed no tear. Celebrate yeah. his life. Uh, you know the, the 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 one person in the story though. It's very easy to feel sorry for, and I think that that's natural, but probably the wrong the wrong perspective is to be to take solace for Ezekiel's wife. Um, again, bummer that God's will for her was to die. But is it a bummer? Because it's appointed for all men to die once and then glory. And her death was divinely orchestrated and intentional for a reason. Like, Ezekiel's wife uh, had no problems with this. Now, now, again, within the text, you know, there's no implications how that conversation went or what her reaction might have been. We don't even know how she died. That's true. We don't know if she had been sick leading up to this. We don't know if, if there was a sudden accident. That's even brutal. Like, what was that series of movies where, like, people died? Final, oh, Final Fantasy. Final, yeah, like, like, you're going to die. A like, log truck. Right. There's no, no idea how it's going to happen, and then it just happens. It's you been kinda, like a rock a rock off the cliff or something. Like that. Just squish. Yeah. Right. The, 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 that would have been a torturous thing. Like, the expectation, I know I'm going to die tonight. How is it going to happen? <laughs> yeah. You know? Scorpion. I'm, I'm not gonna, eating anything. I'm not going to sit here in a bubble, yeah. right? Which, which then the rock, the meteor comes out of the sky, and crushes. Yeah. Like we're not, we're not told how she dies. Um, but again, I mean it, it happened, and and there was no regret for her because she's in glory. Like don't, don't feel bad for Ezekiel's wife. In fact. Like, there's somewhat of a release. Like, she got to leave. You know, some of the... I've never had to do one. I, oh, man. I can't imagine. Uh, but in the pastoral world, the worst... The worst funeral is for a child. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've talked to pastors that have done many of them. And, and you know, tragic. A kid drowns. Or there's a... A, a, a kid dies in birth. Yeah. You know, the, or dies soon after birth. Like, there's... Um, I, I, the closest I got is, is there was a couple that was coming to the church and she was having twins and one didn't make it. Um, this was years ago. 
and and I went to the hospital. I went to the hospital, and and there was I, I it was such a brutal thing because they were so excited on one end that they had a child, yeah. and then they were all like there was joy and sorrow. Oh, that it was it was, rough, and, and they're rough. trying to figure out how to how deal with one baby, and they're planning a funeral for the other, and like what do you do and how do you go about it? And it it just it just I I I can't imagine, but at the same time. Like there is a component to it. And every pastor I've talked to about that particular dynamic is like, don't feel bad for the kid. Like they, they immediately like God loved them so much. They're immediately in glory and they didn't have to deal with this place. That's true. Mm. Like they didn't have to deal with this life. They immediately went into the next and, and there is beauty in that. And there's, you can take solace in that. And when you're looking at Ezekiel's wife, there is a component to it where you're like, Hey, I don't, we, there's no mourning for her. And in some regard, like, like that, not, not that we should be as brazen as, e, as, as Ezekiel, but in the presence of death, there is a lesson to that. Like, what do we have to mourn? Like, okay, there is a loss, but it, that loss is very temporary. Ezekiel would be reunited with his wife for, forever. Like, it was a temporary, I'll see you later. There was no goodbye to it. And it was like, hey, we gave our lives to God. We've been called into his service. That means that we don't have the we don't have the authority or the position to then no. dictate how God uses us or doesn't. Kind of reminds me of uh that missionary group or the missionary family that was down in South America uh trying to contact a, a tribe and the tribe ended up killing killing them. them. Yeah. Killing I heard them. About uh that forgot the name elliot uh yeah yeah um uh something his wife is famous because she went because elizabeth elliot because she went back she went back there's a movie there was a movie done uh, about it into the spear i think i think so yeah yeah. but it's it's that resolve of like hey it's not my life right it's not my life and you know my husband died brutally maybe to set the stage for me to show up right and i think what she said was we were called to this. She's basically like, yeah, yeah it sucks that my, God, my, 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 uh, husband died, but God called us here. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing is it, it set up the stage of these people killing her husband, her showing up and forgiving them. And it changed the entire, right. It was entire, God's plan. It was yeah, God's plan. It changed the entire direction of this tribe. Who's been just killing people left and right, basically. Uh, and, to get forgiveness for something that they didn't know they needed. Right. You know, it's, it, it is. Yeah, Nick, you were, gonna I was just going to yeah. say, I mean, my, to go with that, my biggest takeaway on this story was that it like Eli or Ezekiel was just okay with it. Cause he knew that he wasn't in control of his wife's life. God was no matter what God has our life, our life and our death planned before us. And, He's a ruler of life and death. And he was like, you know what? If it's now, if it's tomorrow, if it's later, your will be your will. And he, and he, and he listened to the Lord and he did it. And I mean, that was my biggest thing for it. It's just like his faith, his, his willingness to rely on the Lord, to trust in him with it. Still obey. A bit, yeah. And then obey with it. You guys are married. What if God 
spoke to you tonight. Yeah. Uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. I know it's easy to say that, but like, no, no, I know I'd be absolutely devastated and broken, but at the same time I would have to understand like, okay, she wasn't mine. Like she was mine because she was given, but she's also still at the calling of the Lord. Yeah. That's and, my and understanding. She, and the thing is, is that she was an in- integral part of the message that God was articulating. Mm-hmm. Just she had to die. It's the same. It's the same. Same kind of idea. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting because I was thinking, given that I'm not married, I was thinking like, man, that would shake my faith. Oh, Holy no. crap! Yeah. At this point in my life, if I got married and the guy was like, "Bad news, bud," I'd have a hard. That's time. very much Abraham. Like, yeah. impossible to have a son. So God supernaturally provides a son. And then it's like, now you're going to take it away. Like there's no chance of you ever getting married. (laughs) Right. And if that were to actually then happen, like miracle one. Right. And then then he says, he's going to take it away. I would have a, I would have a man hot dang. We went through all this for that. There are very few things where I can look from the outside and be like, Oh, that would be a, that would be a spirit crisis. But I can look at that one and say, Oh, I would have a, Problem. It's funny. I was yeah, but uh, to speak on that point, just something come in my mind. There's plenty of people that's probably been through that that can teach you the other way or be there for you the other way. You're yeah. probably because right. I'm I'm not in that same boat, but I could probably yeah make His you see the other side of it. His sovereignty. Gotcha. You see, I mean, you know my story. You know everything. Yeah. But there's people in your life right now for stuff to happen and God's will to be shown. You make a solid point. Well, I think like. You know, for me, I'm I'm not married either, and but like, I gave up my right to to everything once I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. True, and, exactly. And, and so I think once you understand that, it it everything that just goes wrong is just kind of like, okay, yeah. what, what's what's next? <laughs> what's the store? Like, you know, what's the next? Plan it's kind of like right? when I moved to China. I was like, okay, I've been there for five years. I guess this is where I'm going to be for a while. Yeah, five no, years was the end. Like. Uh, a, one, a six week vacation turned into a two month vacation, which yep. has turned into three years now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and 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 where I thought my life was going to be, where it was going, it complete was cut off yeah. instantly, and 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 I was thrown for a loop. But at the same time, I was just like, it sucks. But at the same time, it's I lost my right to say where my life's going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the yeah. moment, I became a Christian. Then lost you're, you're your love, God. Right? Lost your right to say where your life's going. I like that a lot. Yeah, the, that you know, a- again, you come back to this particular story, and it, it it's one of those stark reminders. Like I think what we could take away from this story, I think what we're all kind of taking away, is like, if it's not my life and it's his, and he can do what he wants to with it, I got to roll with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if I look at scripture and I look at examples like, like this, I got to understand the gravity of what that actually means. Yeah, for sure. Because he can take, he can ask for everything. Yeah. And again, that's not a great, like altar call. Message. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not. You mean you're like, I'm going to be given the best thing in my life and then have it taken away. Just name it, claim it. People are lying to you if you're listening to oh, them. Oh, absolutely. For sure. That's the gospel yeah. of the devil. Yes, it is. But I'm just saying like, 
maybe this should be more of the altar call message of like, please understand what you're signing up for because this is, this is, this is what God does. Yeah. You're going to try out for football. Get ready for two days. Yes. Wait, they cut down to two days. I don't know. I don't play <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> Whatever. Creighton making sports analogies. He's hey. trying over there. Good grief. <laughs> but I'm just saying like two swim sessions, you know, you know, you go like, I think it, Here's, I think, a good way to end it. When Jesus would say, take up your cross and follow me. It's so easy for us to Christianize that yeah. and, and, and sterilize it and neuter it. My work day was hard. I'm, I'm just bearing my cross. But like, not what he means. But like in the context of the first century Jew that's in captivity to the Romans of which the Romans would not crucify Romans. They crucified the people in subjection to them. It was a brutal, one of the most barbaric forms of execution ever devised by man. And Jesus employs the imagery and says, if you, if you want to follow me, go ahead, make a cross. Your execute, what you'll be executed on. Hoist it on your shoulder and follow me because the expectation is you're going to be martyred. Mm. Yeah. And in our context, we, we don't understand that. But this is where we come back to passages like this where we get a glimpse of like what taking up your cross really looks like. What real faith looks like. Ezekiel said, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to take the desire of your eye. I'm going to take it from you. And you can't... Comp- you can't complain about it. We're not going to debate about it. You're not going to pray about it. You're not going to send out a prayer chain email. My wife might die tonight. Let's try to get God to change his mind. You're going to accept it. Know that I'm in control and I'm trying to articulate a message and you're not going to weep. You're not even going to let a tear run down your, your face. So and, instead, and instead, actually, I want you to walk around and not cry and go, ah, and sigh a bunch. <laughs> It's silence. So what you're telling me is next time somebody says happy holidays and said Merry Christmas, I'm just to let it go, right? What are you talking about? <laughs> what? Being persecuted, I get it. being persecuted, taking up my cross. He's talking about Merry Christmas, Christmas yeah. as opposed to happy holidays. People say that like Basically it's being, my cross to bear yeah, that I have to say like Merry Christmas being, or whatever. It's April and he's already bringing up Man, Christmas again. I know it's hard. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make an example of, of the typical American Christian. So we should wrap it up. It's not that right. big of a deal. Hey, do we have any, any online yeah. feedback? Anything online? Uh, I know so you can't see me. But Justin and I were having this conversation at some point. Uh, someone named Josh Brown. Uh, yes, no relation to the, ref, to, the, to, the, to the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Good Long friend. time friend of the podcast. Nice. Did he comment said, about your hat? Well, he quoted, or he said, and I quote, Dope This will hat. be the way. Justin thought that he was talking to Justin, and I think he's talking to me because I'm wearing his production hat. I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty sure that he's speaking of Justin's hat. It's, not, it's not the Mythic no, Award. No, yeah, no. That's going to be amazing. I know Josh will be the very way. well, and, and I will reach out. We, we will gain clarity. We will gain clarity about which hat. Do you and then Miss Ann also says good evening to everybody. Good hello, evening, Miss Ann. Love good Ms. evening Ann. and good night. What up, what up? Fantastic. But yeah, that's about it. All right, that's great. Well, let's get out of here. You guys have any final thoughts? This will be the way. 
This would be the way. This is the way. This is the way. Oh, dang it, I ruined it. Good try. Do you know the way? Good try. All right, I'm hitting some music. We're going to bounce out of here. Thank you so much for joining us with the Outlaw Radio Show. If you're watching, you got a totally different look tonight, a different angle, a little bit more of the studio that we're in. We'll figure out what happened to camera three next week. So if you're watching, thanks for watching. Check out the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're listening and you... There are parts of this you're like, I really would have loved to have seen what was happening. Uh, you can do that. Uh, not only can you join us live on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m., but every every video is archived. So it's archived on our YouTube channel, outlawradio.live. It's archived on our Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Uh, you can find all the information about the show by going to outlawradio.org. Again, outlawradio.org. And you can reach out to us. Our email address is pokecrayton at gmail.com. Uh, so glad you were with us. Uh, join us next Wednesday. Yeah, God bless.